When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I'm already joined by John Hughes, and we're just waiting on Patrick McGilp, um, who slept in for the 12.30 bulletin. But as soon as he's available, he will be <laughs> dialing in. John, I was reading yesterday's comments on the old YouTube, and one of them went, moan, moan, moan. Well, what do you expect? Do you expect us just to take it on the chin? Uh, we're raising points about our concerns around Celtic's recruitment. Uh, by the way, they've been echoed by Brendan Rodgers, who has gone through his team like a dose of the salts, John. Um, is he going to get the response tonight? That's a big question. Well, he certainly needs to. And I, I ended up blocking someone with quite a big account, actually, on Twitter, just because, you know, the response to this was morning, morning on Monday morning, was morning moaning fans. And you're like, wait, so the manager has just said he was as angry as he has been in his entire career Right, and you're expecting us all to sit in the sidelines like nodding dogs, you know, like train seals clapping away without a conscious thought in our heads, yeah. uh, and just moving on to the next one. He said it's in the past, let it go. He said it was yesterday. <laughs> it was yesterday. <laughs> so oh what I mean? and, uh, <clears throat> but some people just have this incredibly compliant. Um, you know, happy clappy attitude. It just drives me to distraction. If the manager is that furious about it, the fans are entitled to be annoyed as well, especially the fans that paid to go to the game. Uh, the, yeah. the fans are entitled to be annoyed, and they had a lot to be annoyed about in that first half. And the fact that they came out in the second half and played, you know, he got the response he needed. The fact that they came out and played that way was great. But on the downside of that is, you know, it's not as if we changed the entire team. So we made a couple of changes turned out to be important, but that wasn't the defining factor. The defining factor was he put a rocket at them, which means mm. that their, their attitudes were extremely poor, which is why he was so angry. Uh, I don't know, he would know that. So, you know, to, to, to blame moaning fans, it, it, it's just so, in my view, it's just so pathetic. It's, it's, the fans can moan or not moan. It's not going to make any difference. You know, but we want to have a discussion about what's happening uh, yeah. so to try and get some sort of handle on where we're going, what the future holds, you know, try and uh, basically the reason we come on here to talk these things out is to either celebrate or to try and brace ourselves for what's coming, you know. Without a doubt. And the, and the good thing I always find about it, John, is we now have probably all in the best part of 20 contributors, uh, some every single week, some like me every day, unless I take a, a cheeky Monday off for other business, um, and others who come and go, which is great because what you get is that variety of opinion. I mean, I disagree time and time again 
with Kevin Graham, with Lawrence Connolly. We we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things Celtic related, but that's what the discussion's all about. And often, if the person you disagree with builds a case, you come away from that discussion thinking, you know what, they're right, they've got a good point there. Um, I think the, the moaning, moaning thing is there's an, there's an easy way to say, right, you're the treble winners, you're, um, you've got a good lead at the top of the league here. And if, if, and I think we are capable, by the way, and I'll come back to it, if we beat Feyenoord, we will end up with double the amount of points that we had in last season's Champions League group. Therefore, your European progress has been attained. Now, there's, there's different ways you can do that with figures and all this kind of thing, John. But if I'm watching Celtic this season and I'm thinking, wait a minute, the, the fluidity isn't there, the tempo isn't there, the entertaining style hasn't been there for large parts of the season, and I'm not the only one thinking it, Rogers has been happy with it on, on Sunday. So he's gone through the team. The team have responded in terms of their, their, their view on that 15-minute halftime break. Um, it'll be up there. It'll be one of these defining moments, I hope, John. People going about the um, half, no, sorry, the pre-match team talk that Martin O'Neill gave the guys before the Liverpool game. People going about, what did Jockstein say to the guys in Lisbon in the dressing room? You wonder about these moments. What did Neil Lennon say when we were 3-0 down against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park in that half-time break? Yeah. Uh, and now we've got Brendan Rodgers with his wee moment. Um, is it going to be a watershed moment? Is it going to be a turning point, do you think? I, I think it has to be uh, because with December coming up, uh, you know, if we uh, if we get many more repetitions like we got in that first half, uh, we could have thrown this away by the end of December, you know. So we we just can't have it. It's not uh, you know we we can't have any sort of repetition of that. We we have to win every single game, you know. It, the, the it's going to come down to usually the games between them and us. Now, we're basically, and I hate this, the fact that we are sort of hanging our hat on the fact that they're so terrible. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it shouldn't be that way. We should be 100% confident in ourselves that we can take out these smaller teams. But now we're back to that. And it's really taken me back to Lenny's, you know, last season and then, you know, um, Brendan's last season, so we cannot guarantee a result against the weak teams or the weaker teams. You just can't guarantee it because they don't have the style or the personnel to break them down. And, you know, you can say, is it personnel, is it tactics? Well, it's got to be a combination of both, frankly. But it has to be a turning point because we cannot tolerate a first half like we had before. And, <clears throat> excuse me, can I just say, Paul John, going back to you know what we were saying last week, I, I when I was ranting about the board last week, I, I did refer to Michael Nicholson as an accountant a few times. He's actually, I forgot, a solicitor. Uh, so I'm not sure if that's better or worse. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, can I just do a wee analogy for you? I was watching this show, uh, on, and there was a clip on TikTok, one of these border course things in Australia, and this boy arrives at customs. And they're interrogating and interrogating him because his story doesn't add up. Basically, he's saying he's there to see this girl he's been in an online relationship with for 10 years. He sent her $100,000 over those years. But it doesn't go to her account. It goes to her friend's account because she can't get an account because she doesn't have any ID, you know, and he wants to be there and be a father for a wee boy and all the rest of it. And then he turns up. And amazingly, they interview him on the way back. And amazingly, she had just left town a couple of days before, you know. But the friend, you know, had the account for the money. She was there. Um, but this, uh, this other woman had just left town the day before. And it's this clear and obvious catfish. And objectively, the guy is being told by the border force and the police and everyone else and all these friends, this woman doesn't exist. This is not real. <laughs> and the way I look at this... That is like the board and us in Europe. We are the mugs being catfished because every year we get told something and we buy into it. We're like, oh, it'll be different this time. Or, well, yeah, it'll be absolutely great, despite the overwhelming evidence. And they are, they are telling us what we want to hear. They're milking us for all the money, you know. And in this case, we are the tragic saddles that someone objectively looking at would go, my God, can't you see what's happening here? You know, so I was looking at a boy feeling sorry for him, and then I thought, wait a minute, that's me. You know, that's that's us, that's the board in Europe. 
you know, they're, they're basically conning us out of money every year and delivering nothing. And there's been too many years where there's, um, those results uh, have been... You can't look at them any other way. Objectively, they've been horrific. Uh, and we have been uh, basically hoodwinked, in my view. Uh, they have no ambition. Everything they've told us is just to cover over the fact that they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to you know, try and achieve anything because it might impact the bottom line uh, without any guarantees. And they're just not going to do it. And, you know, you have to, at the point, I think people were fed up enough this year that you started to hear people saying, I'm not buying a, I'm not buying that package next year. You know, and... And this is people that know, buy it every year without question, John. Without question. That. Without yeah. question. Not the most loyal of fans. And if you've managed to, you know really, really irritate your most loyal fans to the point they're thinking about, oh, no, I, I can't carry on doing this. You know, you have utterly failed. Now, I think it's Kevin Graham says, you know, the sort of tourist types will, uh, you know, pick up the, the tickets. But, but, you know, why would they? I don't understand why they would. To see what? You know, and anyway, back to your original point about 10 minutes ago, uh, this is like a Billy Conley skit. So, <laughs> it's basically, you're saying, you know, uh, how do we do tonight? How do we turn it around? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, I do apologise. Um, effectively, you know, he's, I, I am, I'm going to be fascinated tonight to see whether it was a turning point for Brendan, not just for the players, right? To see whether he's now decided we need to change tactics because mm. this adherence to a 4 3 3 when you don't have any wingers, in my view, is madness, right? I, I think we can all see that uh, uh, Awata, uh, sorry, Awata, uh, we can all see that Kyogo and O up front could be a devastating strike force, right? So I either need to go 4 4 2 or 3 5 2. In my view, we do a 3 5 2. We go 3 5 2 because it takes Greg Taylor out of the mix. Um, and uh, to me, he's been uh, such a weak link. Uh, in the last few months, uh, it's just been, you know, everyone targets them. Just take the, take away their ability to do that. And I think we go three five two. We play two up front. Uh, we look for a, a different attitude. Uh, maybe we, we definitely put Awata in there. I would uh, have him. I'm sorry, I'm jumping way ahead here, Paul John. But we definitely have Awata in there because he brings that energy, enthusiasm, and dynamism. And I have no idea why he's not been getting played. We've been going on about it for I don't know how long. There must be something, but I, I don't see what it is. I don't see what the problem is. But I think you guys sort of covered it off yesterday. Is it just because that Callum McGregor is the one in front of him? Well, play a lot a wee bit more forward then. I mean, the way the way he broke for that third goal um, the other day, I mean, that, that was that was impressive stuff. And oh, yeah. I've, I've so always thought you that I've been saying it was Mikey Johnston all week. <laughs> I thought it was a, a, sprite, a sprightly wee winger that did it. <laughs> His range of passing, I've always thought, is excellent. Um, and he's certainly got the legs and he's got the physicality. He's got basically everything we need. The only thing that appears to be standing between him and playing every week is Callum McGregor. And I think you guys were saying yesterday that the stats show that you know Callum's declining, can he play uh, further forward? And I have no doubt that, that that would be a problem in Europe. But I don't think domestically it's a problem. I think Callum McGregor is more than capable of playing slightly further forward uh, domestically. Can, can he take on Europe's top men? No, probably not. He's he's you know he's at that age. The legs are starting to go a wee bit. He's, he's declining a wee bit every year. But you know, can he do it domestically? I would have no concerns about that at all. I'd play him further forward. I'd play O'Reilly. I'd play Awata. Uh, I would play the uh, Mikey Johnson, uh, and I, I would play um, uh, oh God, what's his name on the other wing? Um, Palmer. Uh, Palmer, thank you. She's, yeah. she's so absolutely took a blanket. Thankfully, yeah. it was just cramp. Thankfully, it was just cramp. Anyway. Yes. So, I mean, I, I mean, he to me, Palmer's more of a left midfielder than he is an attacker. Anyway, you know that that's the way I see him. I, it's not as if he's hitting the byline. Uh, I, you know, I think he's more of a sort of Beckham, you know, midfielder in that position. That's the way I see him. Um, but but uh, he's got better hair, John. <laughs> Much better it? hair. Palmer, oh yes. What an installation that is. I can yeah, yeah. see young Patrick talking a great hair is ready to come in. There you go. Patrick, how are you, my friend? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Laptop issues there, so 12, 13 minutes late, but 
Glad to. That's all right. John and I have just been um, moan, moan, moaning um, <laughs> because that's what we were we were accused of yesterday. It's like the Kevin Graham, uh, Kevin Graham, Kevin Bridges uh, sketch. Moan, talking about Michelle. Moan, moan you. Um, I think you can do all of these things, John. But if you were to bring in a water, um, bring in Mickey Johnston because I think he deserves it. Bring in all then I think you need to change the shape. It's like going back to what you said before. How do you accommodate all these guys in their best preferred positions and not change your shape? I don't think you can do that effectively. Uh, I'm going to ask you first, Patrick, just seeing how you're into the, you've just came into the discussion here. My thoughts on tonight, if you were to change the shape, and, and Rogers has done this before, he's done it with Leicester, and it's about playing with the three at the back. But your third... Now bear bear with me until I'm finished this right because it doesn't start off good, but I, I can explain it. <laughs> your your third centre half wouldn't be Nat Phillips, right? It would be a water, but he would only be your third centre half when you're defending. So in possession and in attack, he is playing that defensive midfield position where he's protecting the the defence behind him, and I think you can do it that way so that he, he isn't. I don't think many games in Scotland at home, particularly. Should we be playing with defensive midfielders anyway? Do we really need that? But I think it gives you that that backup and that protection. If you play him in that roving role, he's going from defensive mid and then he's giving the cover to the guys if we are indeed defending. That would allow you, if you're not playing your fullbacks like John suggested, that would allow you then to change things up up top. You could play O as, as the focal point with QO behind them. Um, your midfield, for me, Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor, first two names on the team sheet, You've still got space in there for somebody like David Turnbull, who if a water moves forward, Turnbull does the same, Kogo does the same because we're attacking. And then you've still got two wingers in Palma and Mikey Johnson. Are you protecting the defence enough? Do you have enough defensive-minded midfield or offensive players? That's a big question. Because I don't know how good Palma is as a defender. Mikey Johnson is probably not as good as even Yang in terms of the defensive elements. Yang shouldn't be starting tonight, but I think defensively he's probably a wee bit better. So it, it would be a bold move and not one that we've really seen from Brendan Rodgers since he came back. But to try and accommodate the foreign players, I think you need a change of shape, Patrick. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it could be something um, we explore, um, especially tonight at home. Uh, you know, obviously we don't want to change too much. Hibs are on a good run. I think they've got three wins in a row. I think they've picked up quite a lot of points uh, since their new manager came in. Um, so can't underestimate them at all. But I think you do need to try and try and fit these form players in. I've, I wasn't a fan of Awata at centre half uh, towards the end of last season. You know, in the cup final, uh, the the last couple of league games. You know, I know we're struggling um, for centre-halves towards the end of last season and, you know, it's, it's where Kobayashi get found out. But, um, mm. you know, I'm, I, I've never been a fan of, you know, 3-5-2, 3-4-3, the sort of three at the back. I'm not old enough to remember Martin O'Neill when Celtic had a lot of success with that formation. Uh, the only time I can really remember Celtic playing it was uh, under Neil Lennon in the three, four months before COVID. So... Um, you know, it, it kind of worked then, but Lennon quickly ditched it uh, after the COVID season had started. So I, I'm not personally a fan of it, whether they've been working on it in training, whether what you suggest might work, you know, Awata when we're defending part of a back three, when we're attacking, maybe being a holding midfielder, letting the seven players in front push forward. Um, I think it's something that we could definitely explore. Uh, I, I'm surprised 
actually though that we've not went to four four two three one. Because if you if you were to sort of accommodate Awata and McGregor and then let O'Reilly get forward uh, in that sort of number ten position, I'd be mm. interested to see how that worked. Um, because that's obviously the formation Rogers played um in his first time at the club. Uh, so I'm surprised that hasn't been trialed, but you know, if we're still sort of labouring through games, because I think that's what we've been doing the past month or so, if we're still labouring through games, we might need to try you know, different formations, different players. That's why we're talking about Mikey Johnson starting for Celtic, you know, in the, in the sort of December running, because he's actually brought, you know, a bit of insurgency and a bit of pace and a bit of life to the game, and he's he deserves to start tonight, in, in my opinion. Can I, can I just jump in there, Paul John, just yeah. to say, I think the, the most important takeaway from what you said there, Patrick, very insightful comments, is I'm not old enough to remember Mark Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Patrick, it, it, what a time to be alive, Mark Neville. And, and by the way, you know when uh, I've had the absolute pleasure, and this is a big name drop, so give us a big klaxon for the name drop. I've had the pleasure of obviously sharing the stage with Mark Neville a few times, and we'll be doing it again in January. And, you know, you cannot underestimate, although he never likes to take this kind of plaudit, you, you cannot underestimate his effect on Celtic's modern history, John. Because up to that point, obviously, with the 30th anniversary coming up of the takeover from Fergus McCann, it took us a, a period of time before we actually stopped Rangers, you know, dominance yeah. of the, the, uh, the league-winning run that they were on. Once we finally did it, you know, it wasn't as all of a sudden we had this great side. You know, we had to go through the the, the period of Vengloss and, and John Barnes. Only when Martin O'Neill came to the club did we start to dominate Scottish football again. And we haven't stopped. Martin O'Neill was massive to that. That Where we are today, the modern Celtic, Martin O'Neill was a massive reason for that, isn't he, John? He is. And funny enough, you know, one one thing that ties in with Martin O'Neill, everyone knows about the games and the team and all the rest of it. The, the one thing that really ties in with the, the sort of modern supporter today is one of the first blogs I ever saw was on the back of what happened to the Seville money. And that was Paul Brennan. I remember reading company. it. Was it Paul Brennan? Paul Brennan. So that, that was yeah. Celtic yeah. Quick News. So Celtic yeah. Quick News became a massive force and, you know, showed other people the way, you know, this is digital media and this is how you do it. Um, it and yeah. it was... He was explaining because the fans were just going nuts back. You know, back then it was very opaque. We had, didn't really have any clue what was going on. Where's all this money? Everyone was basically saying, "Where's all the money?" I don't understand. We had this run, and now we can't give the manager any support. Now, he did point out at the time that um, you know the money, you know, it wasn't a lot of money as Europa League and all the rest of it. But the board did fail to support. Uh, Martin O'Neill in that uh, transfer window after Seville. Uh, and if you look at what happened to those two clubs, Porto went on to win the Champions League the next year. What did we do? You know what I mean? I uh, just for the sake of a few players. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been the mantra of our board. Um, it seems to have been uh, for the last 20 odd years. If you can do it wrong, do it wrong. Um, and that's a bit harsh. But I mean, I'm just talking about in Europe in the from the results perspective but you know Martin O'Neill was absolutely pivotal pivotal uh, and uh, but apparently will just remain uh, pivotal on paper but uh, Patrick um, he can read about him you know uh, perhaps go and see him and uh, you know uh, you know, maybe your dad will tell you about him Patrick. yeah I've got VHS videos Patrick that I can lend to you but they're these big massive that, blocks it's like a brick but it's made of plastic Right. You might struggle to find a VHS player, but yeah, honestly, the the impact of that man is has been sensational in my lifetime. Can um, I just say, Paul John, uh, our board bought Betamax. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I've got I've got a couple of Betamax uh, Celtic videos also, but Patrick, you don't even know what I know what these are. Top loader, you just think it's a band? No, no, they, they were the days. They were the days. The the, the one thing I would say. If you want to play a formation like this that I was talking about, it's attack, attack, attack. It really is. Where you're, you're looking to absolutely dismantle teams and overrun them. Um, where you're overloading the midfield, your you're centre-halves, and I think they've got the passing range, particularly skills, would need to be looking for Palmer and MJ rather than the fullbacks. They'd need to be missing out that middle area and go right to the wings. And you would be basically um, 
you'd be playing the opposite to how we played at the weekend, where you'd be coming out the traps and just attacking um, a Hibs side or a Motherwell side at home. It seems all a wee bit safe, but with that, you get into a tempo, John, and I feel that the Celtic side's been struggling to get back out of that tempo. And it was obviously the hairdryer treatment at half-time that sparked them into life. Some players don't respond well to that, but I think that when you look at Mark O'Reilly, for example, or or some of the other guys who have really improved under Brendan Rodgers and they've never seen that side of them, um, the response that we are going to get will be for their tonight for everyone to see. Um, if, if there's a player who's playing within themselves, you think to yourself, oh, you're the type of guy that needs a cuddle. You don't need a rollicking. Uh, but there's some players who love it. that They need it actually to motivate them, John. It's a bit old school, but I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he took it and, and uh, it seems to so far have made an impression. Yeah, uh, uh, you know he, he's been very. He's been he's been quite harsh, really. When you when you look, he, he repeatedly said he went on many different platforms and said how angry he was. Uh, he went. Uh, he threw Mark Lowell essentially under the bus and then reversed over him. Um, so you know he, he's not uh, taking any prisoners now. Essentially, what I think has happened here. I think I said this before, uh, Brendan came in and he was uh, sort of wrapped up in the prodigal son narrative and he was uh, he was impressed by uh, how slick the operation looked. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he had been really analysing the outcomes. Um, you know, if you look at the players we've signed since Mark Lowell was in, we were looking at a list earlier on there, there there's literally, I don't know, maybe about 30 40 players, but I, I don't know how many there are. We didn't have a chance, chance to count them. But there's only a few, a handful uh, that you can attribute to him uh, that have been in any way successful, never mind absolutely successful. Um, so, you know, I think he was looking at that and thought, OK, this will be easy. I can trust these guys. Um, and I think he's trusted them too much. We we have knowledge of a couple of conversations Um that happened, which show that the level of detail you would think people are getting into in these uh, is not what you would think. Um, and uh, players have got into the club that if that you know if you've been looking at their stats beforehand properly, if you've been doing a real analysis and you know thinking, well, wait a minute, uh, you know what is the real potential here? You'd have been surprised at really how poor those stats were. Uh, you'd have been surprised they actually got to the club. You'd be surprised the manager signed them off because I think when you know we're, we're talking about the manager signed them off based on what we know, uh, I, I think the manager signed them off is just that. I think he's basically just saying, that's grand. I trust you guys to do your job. And I think he's now realised that is a mistake. Uh, and I, I think he's consequently uh, and hopefully going to make changes. Now, and already we're doing the same thing as we do in Europe we're already projecting our hopes onto this transfer window that's coming right but there's no evidence at all that we are ever well we have, we have had one decent winter transfer window mm. right <clears throat> and that was under Ange and that was his guys that were all guaranteed so you know we, there's no evidence of us ever investing serious money in the winter transfer window. There's no evidence that we're capable of sourcing them. We had four months in the summer. What makes you think that it's going to happen in the winter transfer window, in the January transfer window? I I just don't, you know, I, I again, I'm trying not to be uh, down about it, you know, and I'm trying not to be downbeat about it, but I also, I, I caught myself doing it the other day, I'll sort all this out in January. There's just no evidence for that. There's no. just no evidence at all for that. Yeah. If we couldn't get it done in the summer, why will we get it done in January? We didn't even get close to it in the summer. We didn't even plug the gaps, never mind make the team better. And we have irrefutably gone backwards. Absolutely irrefutable, we have gone backwards, right? So, you know, he's talking about we needed four in the summer and we need four now. You were in charge, mate. You know, I, I don't know who else we can blame. You know, you're in charge of Mark Lowell. You're his boss. And if you've mm. let him run riot and you're not happy with the results, then he needs to get in the bin. 
you know, and, and you need to take uh, control of it. Or you need to set in someone else. Who is, there's no point. It's, you know, it's really... Uh, he needs to be... It's a dangerous game. He's playing there, Brendan, to some extent, trying to throw Mark Lobble under the bus because it is his football department. He is in charge of the football department. And that's so, on the back, John. That's on the back of <clears throat> the comments that, that Brendan made in relation to who's got the final sign-off of each individual player. So, in effect, he's taken ownership of the nine signings in the summer and now he's saying... Well, actually, the quality's not there, and you could say, "Well, were you were you looking for thirteen players then?" Because you've you've just said that you needed four quality players. You got the nine that you might want to work with, and you didn't get the four that you wanted. Because I understand why he's claimed ownership. I've said this before, Patrick. If you don't, then you could lose those nine guys, nine players out of 33, 32 at the moment. Um, thirty-three when we signed Miofsky, thirty-two at the moment. Those nine guys are a serious percentage of that squad. You don't want to lose their confidence by saying, listen, you're no my player. He did it before with Marion Sved. We, we signed Marion Sved for 1.7 million quid. And he's obviously asked the question in the next press conference, right? And he says, um, we don't need any more wingers. We've got millions of wingers. <laughs> Welcome to the club, Marion. Uh, you know, you don't, you can't do that because you lose the confidence of that player instantly, don't you? Yeah, you do. And I think uh, I think uh, Brendan was well on his way out when he made that comment back in, yeah. I think it was January 2019. Operation Terminado, I think it was called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you do sort of wonder, you know, he made those comments at the AGM and then within what, I think it was six days after the Lazio game, I need more quality. So quite happy with what he brought in, but then six days later, oh, we need more quality, lads. Um, so it's it's... You know, he says one thing at the AGM and another thing to the press after a game. Um, I agree with his latter comments. I think we do need more quality. Mm. Um, but, you know, we also need to trim the squad. And as John says, there's no guarantee of that happening uh, in January. I think we're all hoping it's going to happen. I think we've all... I think we'd all convinced ourselves that uh, Rodgers had came back and we're going to take Europe more seriously and we're going to try and have a stab at the Europa League. And, you know, we'd all deluded ourselves and, you know, that's obviously not happened. We've taken a backward step. Um, and I think we're all convinced that we're going to sign two quality players in January. And I hope we do. But, you know, there's absolutely no guarantee. And you say there, you know, we've got 32 players, 33 when Mioski comes in. I, I, I don't know how serious this is. i just seen the, the story at half ten last night, um, the sort of breaking news. I can't understand that one at all. I mean, four million for a backup striker from Aberdeen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It, it, it boggles the mind, in my opinion. I mean, we're trying to trim a squad and yet we're wanting to spend $4 million on a third-choice player. Um, we're, going to weaken, we're going to weaken a team that only ever turns up against Rangers. Um, <laughs> why, we, why we'd look to do that, I don't know. Um, you know, he's not going to play ahead of Kyogo. And when you're talking about adding quality, this is all in the context of competing in Europe. So if you're going to add quality, you're adding players that can compete in Europe. So can Majowski play in the Champions League? I very much doubt it. You know, maybe we will sign him. Maybe he'll be the new Henrik Larsson. I don't know. I, I very much doubt that. You know, he scored a couple of goals for Aberdeen, but he's the main man for Aberdeen. Um, he, he's not going to be the main man for Celtic. He's going to come off the bench and, you know, be a target man and play the last 30 minutes and surely that won't happen. I mean, it's like Scott McKenna all over again, signing an Aberdeen player for five million quid that patently isn't good enough. Um, so, yes, hopefully the hopefully the window is, is a productive one and a lot better than January, but um, there does seem to be a bit of, I don't know, politicking going on. You don't really know who's in charge. You don't really know uh, what Lawwell and Rogers think of each other at the moment because... Certainly since May last year, our signings have been questionable, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Miofsky thing, I threw that in um, as a kind of throwaway comment, but, you know, th this is what's been circulating 
in the Scottish media. Um, how much of that you're going to read into, I don't know. We've, we've been linked to four different attackers, uh, to my knowledge, Miofsky being one of them. Van Hooydonk, we asked Pierre about his son, Sydney. He said there's nothing in it. Whether or not there's been something developed in the last five or six weeks, who knows? Um, Fitzgarden, Matthias Kv- uh, Garden from Bromby, he's a player I like. He, he fits the age profile, but you're talking even more than the four million that you, that you mentioned there from Miofsky, Patrick. So you think to yourself, I don't think anyone is signed as a third choice, but you're going to have to displace Kyogo. Um, and if his attitude is I'm the number one, that's good enough for me, uh, bringing somebody in, and then you've got a right fight for the jersey. And the other one I've seen mentioned, and I don't see there being any truth in this one, because it's taking all your points and adding even more to it, Patrick, is uh, Lauren Shankland. I mean, for me, if you want to improve your squad, if you want to improve in Europe, that's not the type of signing that I would expect Celtic to be making. Um, I'll go back to the centenary year. I remember when um, Billy McNeil was rebuilding the side, and he didn't want Billy Stark to be the first signing, uh, even though on paper he was, because he knew that it would be underwhelming for the Celtic fans to be signing a 60 grand midfielder from Aberdeen, as it was. Billy Stark turned out to be one of the best signings we made. But he knew that the workings in the media and the fans' expectation going into the centenary year. So I think if you go into January and that's your first signing, Miofsky, you know, it might be quite underwhelming. Um, John, let us know in, your th- in the comments, by the way, do you disagree or agree with Patrick in relation to that? But it's the quality that okay. we're talking about. That's the word that Brendan Rodgers has been using time and time again in his first press conference when he took over at Celtic. His words were, Europe is always a big factor for this club. He was being asked three days after he came back to Celtic about his European aspirations, and that was the exact words that he used. He then went on to speak about the changes, John, in the strategy of recruitment. And he said that he could see a clear change in that infrastructure. Um, were they just giving him the uh, presentation that included Kyogo, Matt O'Reilly, Rio Atati and Dyson Maeda? Because no, obviously uh, there's been a lot of signings after that that didn't quite work out as well, did they? No, well, there, there has been a clear change in infrastructure because there was no infrastructure. Mm. So that's a pretty clear change. Uh, so I think he was just uh, happy when he came back. He wasn't expected to do everything because I think he knew, what we all know, after all those years in England, his knowledge of any players that we could sign are pretty much non-existent. So he he's the opposite of Ange. He's not bringing anything at the table from that point of view because uh, his knowledge uh, would all have been based around guys who you'd be signing for a casual 40, 50 million. Uh, there is no reason why you'd have been discussing anyone uh, that we would be looking at. So I think he was relieved that he wasn't, you know, the, the onus was not on him uh, and that there was a focal point somewhere else and there was a department supposedly doing this. But I, I think he's been sorely disappointed. I certainly think that's what he's trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's basically trying to tell us, look, I know this isn't good enough. Uh, and now I'm letting you know that I know it's not good enough. Um, but he either needs to you know, convince the board uh, and Mark Lowell to change focus on the, uh, the, the type of player that we're looking at, um, or uh, he needs to take control himself. Uh, but I, this is, I mean, this is the start of it, though. Uh, you know, and as you say, we've been down this road before because, you know, you don't come out and say this sort of stuff uh, unless, uh, you know, there's a meaning behind it. I mean, Ange did it what, once. Ange said it once, you are too slow, and then he got yeah. the guys that he wanted. But Ange, yeah. Ange was um, Ange was tailor-made for this board because he was shopping in the bargain basement, except he knew where all the bargains were. Uh, so, you know, we, we weren't relying on some hooky stats that were telling you a guy from the South Korean second division is the very man for the job. Um, and, you know, again, um, I, was, I was listening to Jim Ordon and he did the whole North Korean for the... I was, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how many players are coming out of North Korea. I'm not sure anyone's getting out of North Korea at all. Um, but the whole... The whole uh, uh, so, you know, and... Uh, you know, Yang, for instance, as I say, I mean, his stats, if you look at his stats before we signed him, if you can find one compelling reason why we signed him, I'd love to know what it is, uh, because there was nothing there. 
absolutely nothing there. So did someone, uh, you know, have them watched and then say, that's the very man? Um, yeah, Because, again, who's deciding then, if that's the case, if there's no absolute metric, who's deciding on the standard here? Uh, and I think that the standard has just been really overall extremely poor. Um, and, you know... Um, the, 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 a lot of these guys are less of less of a project, more competition winners, uh, and just grateful to be here. Uh, and you know they'll suck up wages and resources, uh, and they'll never kick a ball for us in anger. Uh, it's just what is the point of that? I mean, you're literally saying what is the point in half this squad? Uh, you know, uh, there's there's nothing there, and you know that half of them are, are never going to make it. This is a frustration, John, because um, when we're talking about European aspirations, um, you know, it's almost like, well, we can't compete. That was the that was the attitude uh, of Ian Bankier at the time, uh, the previous chairman. It's almost like we can't compete, so what's the point? But I think there's a middle ground between the player you've mentioned and Quan, who we've not seen yet in a, a competitive game. He's a million pound. He's a South Korean second tier. There's a there's a middle point somewhere between Quan. And as you say, the casual 50, 60, 70 million pound footballer that a lot of the Champions League teams will be bringing in. We, we go on about having 70 million in the bank. These guys are spending that on one player. And the, the one player's no guarantee to get a game. Totally get it. But there's a middle point somewhere that Celtic need to be operating in. And it's not in the South Korean second division. Kwon could potentially go through this season and no play. Now, that, that's embarrassing that you're going to spend a million quid on a player and there's no real reason, there's no real um, structure to the, the purpose of bringing him to the football club other than, you know, uh, the fact that we were meant to be playing a friendly against Wolves and it was obviously all lined up that we would be announcing these two players from South Korea whilst we were in the country and all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, but let's go beyond that and let's get the quality on the park. If Brendan Rodgers wanted four, that was his words, he wanted four quality players, John, and I'm going to throw this to Patrick as well, how many did he get from the nine that came in? Now, I'm going to give you my view. Yang's played a bit of football. Do you class him as quality? Palmer has played a bit. Odenholm's played a bit. The rest of them, bit part cameo or not at all. So of the four quality, did we even get one? Is Palmer in that category? What do you think? I, I, I would say uh, uh, Palmer's the only one for me that you could put in that category. Um, Yang... Again, you know, he looks raw, but he's going to have to come on a whole bunch. Uh, he's going to have to come on a, an absolute storm to even be consistent in the team. And I say he's a, his original stats were really just bang average, if not verging on really quite poor. Um, so he's come in, uh, he's looked as if he could play quite well in spells. But then you have a half like he had the other day, and that's one of the worst halves of football I've seen from uh, a wide player at Celtic in, in a very, very, very long time. The inability to look across a line and keep yourself on side, on side is, you know, pretty fundamental to your job. Yeah. So, you know, it was poor. His output was poor. I mean, to be fair, our output from the wings has been desperately poor. Uh, and I made a, a snarky comment about the fact that, you know, Mikey Johnson uh, come on and... Uh, Mikey Johnson looks like Maradona in comparison to Yang, and that should be the beginning of the end of your days at Celtic, that sentence. But that's harsh on Mikey Johnson because I think Mikey's gone away and it looks like he's come back uh, and he's uh, stronger and braver. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has contributed quite a lot, actually, uh, in the last few uh, I mean, I mean, the last game he won the penalty uh, and mm. should, he, he put the ball on Yang's head for what should have been the winner. Uh, he's come on to this one. He's got a lovely wee flick on in the middle of the second goal move. Uh, you know, he's um, he's direct. Um, and people may get frustrated about his output, but the one thing you can definitely say about him now is he has courage. And the, well, that's the one thing you need from your wide players, uh, the, the players who you look to uh, for a bit of magic. They have to be courageous because they have to be able to get it wrong, get back up and go again immediately mm -hmm. and try and do the same thing. Don't be dissuaded. Don't hide, you know, that there's nothing worse than an empty jersey. Don't hide 
get in there and do it. If, if it's not working out, you'll get hooked and all the rest of it. That's fine. But don't hide. Get in there and, and uh, play with some heart. And uh, Mikey Johnson has done that. Uh, and as I said uh, one time, discussing my dad's, uh, you need to have the courage to continue creating. And he has at least got that. His outcome might not be, his output might not be exactly where we want it. But we don't know yet because, you know, he hasn't full games yet. Uh, but he has certainly contributed massively in the last couple of games. And uh, he has to start. It's not even a question. He has to start. Here's the question then. When was his last start for Celtic, Patrick? Mikey Johnson. When was the last time he started the game for Celtic? Um, He's not started this season. It's all been substitute appearances this season, hasn't it? Aye. And then last season, he went out mm. and loaded the whole season. So the season before, under Vange. He started the League Cup final under Vange, December 2021. It's possible that was it. Um, wow. Just from memory, I can't remember one after that. Um Couple of years ago, yeah, December 2021. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just because no, that injury crisis. Because Owen Moffat came on in that game. Right. That oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's playing where, random players. Where is he now? Where is Owen Moffat now? Um, because he's not Blackpool anymore. Is he at the Pars? Wow, I believe because um, Dembele is now at, at uh, Blackpool, isn't he? Him, he's setting up goals for Jordan Rhodes, all the great names. Yeah, so. There's my start 11. Let me know in your, your uh, comments what you think. I'm going to come to the comments in just a second because obviously we've got a wee bit carried away there. We're 42 minutes in and I've not even brought up any comments. Um, my my 3 5 2, and, and please bear with me with, with the water at centre half because I can see us pushing them into the midfield when we're attacking. I hope that for the vast majority of tonight's game we will be attacking. It's Hart, Catavicker, Scales, and Awata. With Palmer, Matt O'Reilly, David Turnbull, Callum McGregor, Mikey Johnson, Owen Kugo up top. Uh, very much an attacking formation. You would have your fullbacks on the bench just in case it wasn't going to plan. You had to try and revert back to type. But I don't see any reason why we can't get the on form players all on the pitch all at the same time. Double Denim, always an absolute pleasure to see you. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to us if you want to comment. Uh, we've got a big charity weekender coming up and I've decided it's taken me that long to edit the Pierre Van Hooydonk and George Cadet and John Collins interview. I'm just going to save it until the charity weekender and it'll form part of that um, and loads of other content coming your way. Afternoon folks, great to see the Celtic players at the Children's Hospital serenading some of the kids. Some things just so much greater than football. That's the impact that the team can have uh, on a, a charity Charitable level, the stuff that the club does is phenomenal. Uh, we've got our own wee contribution coming up as well. Uh, so it's great to give that a shout out. Joseph McGonigal, a water to start tonight. Let's see if Cal has the legs to do what he does for Scotland. Patrick, this is in reference to some people who don't think he does. Some people who say that the data will suggest Callum McGregor cannot play a more offensive role. Do you buy into that? Um, well, it's been a while since we've seen him playing a more offensive role. Uh, he's obviously got quite far forward for his goal, his equaliser at the weekend there. Um, I remember I remember uh, at the end of Rodgers' second season, uh, Sinclair was in really poor form. And I want to say actually the 5 nothing game uh, against Rangers when we won the league, McGregor actually played out wide left uh, in that game. And I think he played there for towards the end of that season. Um, and I thought he'd done quite well, retained the ball pretty well, um, good passer, obviously. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't play him further forward. It's hard to say. I would give him the freedom to get further forward, but I wouldn't play him in the sort of crescent role that, you know, O'Reilly and Atati have been playing in the last 18 months or so. Um, I don't think he's got the legs for that. But, you know, the freedom to get forward, sort of make that killer pass, have a few shots and goal. A bit like what he'd done under Lennon. Um, to an extent, um, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's regressing. I think you know people are making the comparison to Scott Brown. I think it's very early days for that. Um, I think he's had a couple of off games. You know, first couple of games of the season he was a wee bit poor. Last couple of weeks he's maybe made a few mistakes, but you know I think it's because we're we're always expecting eight or nine out of ten from Callum McGregor, and he's been so good for so long, so consistent, and he plays. I mean, when we played qualifiers and six group games and nine cup games and 38 league games and then 10 games for Scotland, he was playing 60, 70 games a season for three, four seasons in a row. That's obviously going to take its toll. I know he never really played 
um, professional football till he turned 20. But, you know, I think it is, you know, we're not in the League Cup this year. We've only got six European games. But, you know, I think it, it's certainly time to consider managing his game time because I still think he's a top quality player. You know, one of the best, if not the best Celtic players in the squad. Um, so, you know, manages game time. You've seen him coming off 60, 70 minutes in yeah. games recently. Um, but I don't think he's don't think he's regressing by any means, and I think he's you know if he's capable for do, doing it for Scotland, then of course he's capable doing it for Celtic. It's just about how the team's set up and you know what the manager wants him to do. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm of the same view, and I think we've seen a wee bit more of that uh, resting periods of Callum McGregor since Brendan Rogers has come back. Uh, never before, really, were we used to seeing him getting hauled off with 20 minutes to go, Patrick. We've seen it this season and it's good because over the period of three or four games, you're, safe, you're basically resting them for a game. Um, and that, that for me is key. He's still there. He's still got that influence. And I listed the players that I think are at this moment in time ready for a Champions League campaign. He's one of them that's already in the squad. Uh, Danny Boy, first time I went to Parkhead, Jimmy McGrory was manager. Not great times. That's incredible. It's great that you're tuning in, uh, Jimmy McGrory. So the first time you went to see uh, Celtic was 65 or before, which is incredible. Um, what a, a dedication to supporting Celtic. And I love all these uh, old-timers. Sorry, Danny, for calling you an old-timer. John, who have got the tales. They've got the tales of the old days um, because I remember one time coming into contact with this uh, old guy locally um, in one of the villages, a place called Blair Hall. And I'm going to say his name is John Wilson. I think his name is John Wilson. And I got chatting away to him and he started talking about Celtic. And he must have been in his late 80s when I'm talking to him, 90s maybe even. I think he was in his early 90s. Um, and he says, I used to play for Celtic. And I'm thinking to myself, John, I tell my boy that. So, you know, he's maybe just telling me, how can I prove or disprove him? I was like, what was your, who was your manager? Mealy. And I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> the old guy played for Celtic. He was signed by Willie Mealy. I was thinking, this is incredible. Um, but yeah, he did. I'd done all my research. And um, um, I, I, a guy who does loads of research and, and uh, something of a Celtic head called Tom Minogue from, uh, from this area, he sent me some information on this old guy. And I'm thinking, you know, generation a generation later, all that information is gone. Nobody, yeah. will, nobody will be able to tell you, John, what Willie Mealy was like because nobody's still alive. Nobody's still around that, that spoke to the guy. You well, know, he's, he's, capture he's, all this stuff. Well, he's, he's a real focus here in uh, Newry, as you know, because he's, uh, his statue is now at the bottom of the street here. Uh, and there's another couple of uh, tributes to him around the town. Uh, so he's a, he was a Newry man originally. Um, but, I mean, I've been schooled. It's been a privilege for me. You know, one of the great things about like, so Twitter is it's a privilege for me to have guys who were... I mean, I never saw my dad play. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, these guys are able to tell you... Guys who were like, you know, uh, 15, 16 even up to sort of 20 years old when they were watching them play. They're able mm -hmm. to tell you every single game and, you know, what they did here and there. So that that education is absolutely priceless, but you wouldn't get it anywhere else. And that that's the beauty of uh, social media for me because I've got this sort of community of people who, uh, you know, had an opinion on them as a player, not just based on, you know, something they read, um, but based on years of watching them play, which is absolutely remarkable. Uh, and you know it's it's remarkable these guys can use Twitter uh, as well because it was, you know my dad could hardly use his phone never mind Twitter <laughs> uh, so it's, it's amazing to me that they're on there in the social media and uh, working away with it uh, so you know I get schooled every day and it's, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to learn uh, all about the history of the club, you know, at that time, and you know, individual games, and what people's opinions were, and just like today, they can't agree for a second. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Someone gives yeah. an opinion on a player, even better than my dad or someone else gives. Someone gives an opinion on a player, and five minutes later, someone's in saying, "No, no, no, that's garbage. You're insane to think that. I don't know what game you think you're watching, and oh, this, this is like sixty years later. Do you know?" Uh, so it's, uh, nothing really has changed from that perspective, but it's great to be able to have this community here and have the communities in places like Twitter where we can all get together uh, and, and uh, be nice to each other occasionally and also shout at each other. Uh, so, 
um, as long as it's about opinions on football, that's all that matters. The, the thing is, John, you're right. It hasn't changed. This is not a new phenomenon. It's just the platform has changed. These kind of conversations would have been happening in boozers and supporters buses and, you know, all the way through the, the history of the football club. The one thing that I, I'm going to hold on to is when I started doing research for Celtic books, I spoke to the historians, uh, the late uh, David Potter, Tom Campbell and Pat Woods. And uh, Pat said to me that there is always more to discover about Celtic's history. You'll, you'll never discover everything. And I remember then, at that point, not knowing Neely Mockin, whose dad was a, a Celtic legend, uh, and eventually getting access to Neely's collection, which obviously his, his son now has, and just thinking, wow, I've, I've got this this stuff in my hands, John. I've got Jock Steen's whistle in my hand. Um, and you can see pictures of Steen on the training pitch at Barrafield with a whistle, with a, the boot lace around his neck, and I've got it, it, all that stuff. And I think at some point there's going to be a find, and it'll probably be from a distant family member or someone like Willie Mealy, um, who will have an absolute cornucopia of Celtic history that nobody's ever seen before. It's going to happen in my lifetime, and uh, I hope and pray it does. Um if it was an issue with the culture at the football club, and I'm talking about the players, Patrick, that was an issue, that would worry me more than quality. Because I think that the big concern we had the last time round was the culture uh, under the the previous uh, manager, Neil Lennon, uh, in that, that last season. And it was difficult for Neil to manage that when he was under the COVID restrictions. And I think that maybe at the time, getting caught up in where we were, Patrick. It was hard to see the wood for the trees there. You know, Neil Lennon would have managed that differently if we didn't have the restrictions. And we've got to take that on board. But it was the cultural issue that, that bothered us. And I think we started talking about that after the Ferenc Varos game when uh, Neil Lennon was talking about there's guys in that dressing room don't want to play for this football club. So that was a cultural issue. This time round, it's a quality issue. And you think to yourself, well, we've got a manager in place who can get the maximum quality out of the players we've got and we've got an infrastructure, we believe, we are told, in place where we can find the quality. So it's fixable. It's less worry, worrying than the situation we were in before, in my view, Patrick. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean that COVID season was it was just a disaster from the very beginning. Um, you know, we beat Aki's, obviously, and then uh, Lenny gives them two or three days off, and then you know, we drop points. Or banned for two weeks, then we lose to Ferenc Varos, and then you know it's just downhill rapidly. And as you say, it's, it was hard to see the wood for the trees. You know, the, the thing about taking two buses, and we're all, we were the only team taking two buses and to away games and stuff. It was, I mean, you could write a book in that full season, really, and I'm sure Lennon probably will one day, um, because it was it was crazy just how much was going on, and you know how hard it must have been inside Celtic Park to handle all that. And, you know, it was true. There was, you know, four players, we all know who they were, who were either promised moves or had down tools. And it's it's so difficult to manage that. And I don't think we're in that situation. I think we're, I think we're far, far away from that uh, at the moment. Um, you know, if, if we are in that situation and if players do want to leave, then, you know, I would just sell them. I think, mm. I think everyone realises that. You can't keep a player who's unhappy. There's absolutely no point in it at all. Um, so just, you know... Don't play them, sell them the nearest opportunity. Um, so I, I'd like to think there isn't an attitude problem. You know, certainly going back to you know uh, July and August, you heard you know Matt O'Reilly and Cal McGregor talk about how brilliant it is to not to have a change, but to have uh, Brendan Rodgers as a manager, and how sort of vibrant and energetic he is, and sort of you know the smiling and the happiness and the, sort of the way he just chats to players over lunch and. They all seem quite happy to have him as the manager, so I don't think it's that. Um, I, I think you know the manager is correct. I think it just is a lack of quality. Uh, I think we sort of have fudged that most recent transfer window, and you know I think Palmer probably is the only player of quality that we, that we signed. Um, you know, there's questions over Norovsky could come good, Lagabelka could come good, although I don't think Brendan rates him. Uh, I think Home will come good. I think he's shown a, a fair bit so far already. Um, you know, when you're defining success, how long it takes these guys to come good, I think. Mm. You know, if it takes them three years to come good, that's probably not a successful signing, in my opinion. No. But uh, I think, you know, they might come good sooner rather than later. So, you know, I think we need another 
two, three players of quality to just to get back to where we were at the end of last season. Yeah, um, I think we, we uh, need another two or three players of quality, quality just to make sure we still have to take two buses to a game. <laughs> uh, but the, the, th- the thing that concerned me, uh, Paul John, was actually the, what you said about Narofsky or Rocky. We'll just call him Rocky because I'm not good with the names, but anyway. Uh, the big man looked to be uh, pretty decent when he came in. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that he hasn't had a shout since then. I know Scales has done uh, well, but we spent a lot of money on the boy and uh, I'm surprised he hasn't had a look in since. Um, that that was pretty worrying. Lager, we already knew about, um, you know, Tilio hasn't shown a thing yet, which is deeply worrying also. Um, but, you know, I, again... We still have enough there, really, uh, with the right attitude uh, and playing the right tactics uh, to to win this league uh, comfortably. If if the, the if the attitude is right, but the thing about the attitude was it clearly wasn't right the other day uh, because, as I said, right at the start, nothing nothing much changed really apart from a couple of substitutions. We came on and they they were oh uh, big O brought the the very first minute uh, first touch of quality yeah. in the game with that back heel and we immediately score a goal that was the first unexpected thing someone had done for the whole game and immediately the, goal, the goalies palmed it out and McGregor's hit it home um, so you know we have the players there I just think as we've talked about the formation we need to get these players on the pitch and I don't understand I just don't understand why we're so wedded to a certain formation or it's like you know the players they're comfortable playing it well Comfortable isn't really the friend of ambitious. No. Uh, so I, I don't really see how that helps us. And the fact that you had to give people a rocket the other day, I understand that. You're coming off the Lazio game and all the rest of it, and you're just like, oh, here we go again, you know, bottom of the table, and, you know, we'll just go out there, we'll pass it around a wee bit, and, you know, we'll, we'll get the break. Um, and that wasn't happening. And so they got the rocket, and rightly so. Uh, but the you know the attitude needs to be managed just as much as anything else, uh, and you can't assume that because they're professional players they will have the right attitude because they're human beings, same as anyone else, um, and they need to be managed very closely. Uh, and uh, you know it could be that they are all very happy to have Brendan Rodgers as the manager, and that might be a bad thing. You know what I mean? Because they're they're all super comfortable with Brendan, and Brendan's our buddy. That's not necessarily a good thing. That's not the way Martin O'Neill did it, for instance. Patrick, you remember, he's a figure in Celtic's history, Patrick. Um, he's, uh, if you remember him back then. Um, but, he, I mean, he was very much of the Brian Clough school of management, wasn't he? He only turned up on a Saturday, um, really, to give people a, a, a bollocking if they needed it, or, you know, pick the team and all the rest of it. So it was, uh, you know, there, there are different styles, but it could be that Brendan... Uh, is maybe thinking now he's just got too cosy with these guys uh, and needs to put a rocket under them. Uh, and it seems that he's done that. And, you know, based on the second half and the changes he made in the second half, I would hope that tonight we go out with the right formation and we give Hibs an absolute spanking. Um, and I think there's no reason why we can't. Uh, although I did read that Brendan's record against them is really very poor. <laughs> but... <laughs> you know, hopefully uh, tonight will be the 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 change in that. We blow away, yeah. Brendan treating his players like flowers. Uh, absolutely, he'll be singing to them next. Um, yeah, Alan Robertson spoke about uh, Brian Clough there. Yeah, completely different days, isn't it? But sometimes the old school uh, motivational speech is what you need. Joe Henry, those two Peter Max are due back under the counter at Oakley General Store. <laughs> under the counter, Joe. I'm not quite sure what would have been on the tapes then. Um, Oakley General Store. I remember that they had a video shop called Global Video, and I've still to pay my fine for uh, returning Braveheart late because I just kept it for an extra week. But uh, if you're out there, I don't even think they exist anymore. Sorry about that. Uh, can I just add one, add one thing there about how important it is. We talk about the board and all the rest of it and how important it is to have a vision and how important it is mm. to be anticipating and how important it is to be constantly growing because the the the, the world moves on uh, without you if you're not and uh, you know you, you take 
businesses like Blockbuster Video, for instance, you know, a bit of te- technological change. That was huge. It was so big. Such a massive business. Just gone. Just done. You know, I, I, and that was the end of it. You know, I, and so, you know, I mean, I'm not suggesting that will happen here, but again, if we if we don't cement ourselves uh, properly in, in, you know, Europe and have a bit of ambition, um, you know, we'll end up having to qualify every year, we'll end up not qualifying, then your 70 million will suddenly be, you know, 7 million, then minus 7 million. So, you know, as I said before, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you intent not to invest in the business as you should. But, and this is the other thing. Sorry, Paul John, I know we're running over. This is the other thing. There's a huge amount of businesses and there's a huge amount of business analysts that will tell you, you know, depending on what your business is, having a pile of cash in the bank is a sign of a problem, not a sign of a success, because, you know, that cash should be getting invested elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so ha- having some big, massive war chest isn't necessarily uh, always a good thing, especially when you have ambitions to achieve uh, you should be putting that back into the business, especially when it's this kind of business where nearly all the shareholders are looking to see what's happening on the park and not just in it for their turn on their money. Yeah, you're right. And by the way, I would throw in there, and this is a deeper discussion that we'll need to come back to, is this bloated squad, 32 players, um, there is a correlation between the fact that we don't have um, a youth production line that we used to have and that we're basically stockpiling players from other people's youth production lines, be that the South Korean second division, etc., for a million quid. In the past, if we needed that guy, we could have gone to the reserve team or, you know, the next youth talent and he would have been that guy. We don't have it. There's a missing link in there. And in the meantime, what we're doing is we're stockpiling all these other players because we're not producing our own. Um, That's something that needs to be looked at and hopefully we can have a discussion about that in the future tonight. It's all about Celtic against Hibs. I'll be back here half an hour before kickoff with Kevin McCluskey. We're almost at 14 million views on YouTube. Um, get involved, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, get involved in the chat, the whole thing. And uh, obviously we, we will tell you when we hit that magical target. It should be within the next week or so, just before the end of the year. Thanks, everybody, for your support. Thanks for getting involved in the comments. And thank you to John Hughes and Patrick McGill for joining me on a Celtic State Update. Podcast Network.